last week I started on a new series called For His Glory, and uh, I'm not going to talk much about it, but I'll tell you, you can go online, you can uh, go listen to the message from last week, but last week I really shared with you the idea is that our entire life is worship. Not just a song service, not just a part of a church service, but everything that we do, the Bible gave us the instructions and says, do everything that you do is unto the glory of God, even like at work for that boss that you don't like. Don't do it for them. Do it as unto the Lord. And, uh, you know, and this can save us in so many areas of our life when we realize that our entire lives are acts of worship. And so, you know, this, um, you know, and I shared with you last week a little bit about, uh, Kind of my concern of some of the season that we're in right now is that it's easy to become distracted. It's easy to become isolated. It's easy to, to lose focus on why we are here and what we are to be doing. And at the end of the day, we are here for the glory of God. We're here to what? To help people see God, know God, and experience him so that their life can now be different in Christ. And so, you know, we have, uh, you know, our vision uh, over you know, that we have here at the church, and I'm going to be sharing some more with you about this, is that we have four things that we believe God has called us to do, which number one is to help people come to know God. Primary, that's number one, is that people who don't know God, we want them to come to know God. Number two is we want people to find freedom. And I shared about this a moment ago. Just because you got saved doesn't mean that you've unlocked all of salvation yet. We want to help you unlock salvation. We want to help you experience what God has for you in its fullness. And so the third part is what? Discovering your purpose. Because God doesn't make people by accident. God always makes people on purpose. So you have a purpose. And the last part is is that we want to what? We want to go make a difference in the world around us. And so those are the four elements of our vision. And so in this series, I'm basically taking our, um, our vision and I'm just rewording it for the sake of clarity for you. And so one of the things that I really want to do and one of my objectives in this series is to bring clarity, is to bring focus for every one of us where it could be lost or or maybe just distracted from it is to bring us back to, hey, why am I on the planet? Like, why did I just take the breath that I just took? There's a purpose why God has you here. And it's not just by chance and it's not just to exist. It's not just to attend a church service. Or to claim to be a Christian. It's to actually make a difference in the world around us. And so last week as I shared. We, we talked about worshiping God. Which I believe is that when, we, when people come to know God. They need to understand. God didn't just save you for you. He saved you to what? To know him. But also to make him known. And so today we're going to be looking at the concept of God's story. And so for the sake of. Because I'm clever like this. I'm calling it his story. Because God's story is not just his story. From what we see in the Bible, from cover to cover, it is the story of God's interaction with us as human beings. And so our story is very intimately intertwined with God's story. Because he chose it to be. Not because it had to be, but, but because he wanted it to be. And so next week we're going to talk about building God's church. And how do we do that? We do that by helping you discover what your purpose is. I'm going to share a little bit today with you about this. And then the last one is going to be expanding God's kingdom. Is that God wants his influence to increase. Well, his influence increases when our influence increases. That's God's purpose. God doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. Isn't that awesome? If God wanted to, he could just send angels to come preach the gospel, and yet he chooses to use us. 
by his choice because he desires to. And so, um, you know, and, and this is one of the things that I, that I need you to grab hold of today. Is And it's just a little thought is that we live for the glory of God, not for the applause of men. So much of our life can be, well, I'm just trying to make this person happy and that person happy. And if I could just make my husband or my wife happy, if I can just make my kids happy, if I can just keep my boss off my back, if I can just do all of these things, life's going to be better. But the truth is you can never make everybody happy. Not all at the same time. You might make one or two people happy at the same time. But you're never going to make everybody happy. And if you're living your life from that place of, man, I'm just trying to get everybody happy and I want everybody to like me and I want all of these things to just work, you're going to be frustrated. But if you live for the glory of God, it gives you very clear purpose and, very, and gives you a lot of clarity as to why you are here. Because God has a purpose. And last week, I shared this scripture with you and I'll, I'll share it with you again. It comes out of Philippians chapter 1 in verse 20. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, I trust that my life will bring honor to God. He says, whether I live or die, he says, for me, living means living for Christ, but dying is even better. Now, you have to understand the context, but I'm not going to go into all that as to why he made that statement. But he says, but if I live, I can be or do more fruitful work for Christ. If I live, I want to be more fruitful. God is always about us being more fruitful. Why do we need to find freedom? Because it will help us to be more fruitful. You know, I, I, I've shared many times, I'm not a gardener. I, you know, I have a brown thumb, not a green thumb, because everything I touch dies. And so it goes brown. Some of you are plant people and you love your gardens and all. It's awesome. I, don't, I did not receive that gift from the Lord. That's not my gift. And uh, if you want something dead, give me a call. I can take care of that for you, though. Uh, you know, you got that pesky stuff. Yeah, I can do that. But we are to what? Be more fruitful where there are times in our life where God will need to prune things back. You know, I, me and Dara bought a house uh, a year ago or so, I guess. And uh, so we have this lemon tree in the backyard. So it's there. I didn't know it was a lemon tree. They look more like limes to me. And uh, But whatever. So anyhow, so when we first bought the house, it's all overgrown and all this stuff, and it really didn't have a whole lot of lemons on it. And I don't know enough or a lot, but I know a little bit, and I'm like, well, if there's too many limbs and too much stuff, the fruit won't grow the way that it should. So I trimmed the bush all up, and now I have a whole tree full of lemons, like full of lemons. My son wanted to make lemonade one day, and I'm like, go pull some off the tree, and they were green, and I was like, it's going to be sour. And, uh, but he wanted to do it, so I'm like, all right, let's knock yourself out. You know, I'm not drinking it. And, um, but... You know, but there are times in our life that what? That God needs to prune us. He needs to shape us. He needs to mold us for what? So that we can be more fruitful. And this is so important that we understand this. Paul also in uh, Philippians chapter 3, he gave some instructions to his disciples. And he said, my dear beloved friends, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life that we've modeled before you. It says, for there are many, now I think that's a key phrase, there are many who live by different standards. You know, there is the standard of God's word that we are to, what, aim for. That's the target. That's the goal. Not that we're perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. Perfection is not attainable. That's not the goal. But Paul does make a distinction here. And he says, look, you need to, what, imitate my walk. Pattern your life after mine. He says, follow me according to what? The way of life. 
There's a way for us to live. And he says that there are many people who live by a different standard. And he says, I've warned you many times that these people are really enemies of the cross of the anointed one. Verse 19 says that they are headed for destruction. You know, and unfortunately, there are many people who attend church week in, week out, and yet they never experience the goodness and the power of God that all they really have is religion. And some of you may be in this room. So you never actually experience the power that Jesus came to give us because all we do is we go through the motions and we do what we're supposed to do so we can check it off our box for this week. Like, okay, it's Sunday, uh, it's first day of the week. I got my church out of the way. Okay, God, see you next Sunday. And Paul says, is that, but that's living by a different standard. Is that we are to what? Be consistent. And he says that if we live that way where we just kind of uh, live in a place from a religious standpoint, he says that it actually leads towards destruction. But he goes on here and he says, but we are citizens of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. See, he tells us here is that, look, we have a life here on earth, but we are also citizens of heaven. And we need to remember where our citizenship lies. Even in their current culture in which we find ourselves in our nation. I would ask you a question and, and I would ask you to just consider this. Which are you first? Are you an American or are you a Christian? Because they are not synonymous. They are not the same things. And I think that we, that as believers, we have to reconcile that answer. Because it, because if I'm a Christian first, then that tells me the order of priority. If I'm an American first and, and my Christianity falls somewhere below that, look, and, and I'm patriotic. I love our country. I've been to many other countries. I don't want to live anywhere else ever. I love our country. But that's not to say that we don't have our own issues because we do. We absolutely do. But I think that this is something that as believers that we have to come to. Is that, Let me say it another way. Where does your allegiance lie? First, now I believe as an American citizen, you ought to vote. And if you don't vote, you shouldn't complain. That's my personal opinion. I'm not just going to pray and not vote. No, I'm going to pray and I'm going to vote, but I'm going to pray more. And I'm going to be more invested praying for our country than I am just in vocalizing my opinions on things because my opinions won't change anything. My prayers can change a lot. Your prayers can change a lot. And so we have to understand though that if we're really going to live from this place of really understanding who we are, who God's created us to be, and we want to live from this place of this like a citizen of heaven, then we have to understand that God has a plan and a purpose. And it's very clear throughout scripture. As I said, God has a story. He's invited us to be a part of his story. God is not a part of our story. We're a part of his story. He was here first. He created everything, the Bible says, for what? For us, but through the fall of Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Eden, you can go read about this in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter... It's all about the fall of man. Basically, God had a plan and we messed it up. But here's the good news is that God had created an escape clause, if you want to call it that, for us even before Adam and Eve sinned. He did. 
And we read about it throughout the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We, and, and throughout the Old Testament, God prophesied. God told ahead of time that we would, what, that we would see God send a Savior. A Messiah. One who would pay the price. You know, the Bible is one of the most amazing books. You know, there was something that just happened in the last week that the Bible told us was going to happen 2,500 years ago. There was a treaty signed between the UAE and Israel. A peace treaty, a relational, and the Bible predicted it 2,500 years ago. I don't really like to say that the Bible predicted anything. I like to say that the Bible tells us. (laughs) Because it didn't really predict. You know, and the Bible talks much about the days in which we live. There's actually, we're doing a series here in a few weeks that we're going to be kicking into all about that. You know, that 30% of the Bible is prophetic. In other words, it's going to tell you what's going to happen before it's going to happen. Anybody can look like a genius the day after something happens. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Then why didn't you say nothing? (laughs) Well, because, you know. No, the Bible is amazing because God says, look, I'm going to declare how this thing's going to end before it even begins. And I'm going to tell you of things that are going to happen before they happen. That way you can know. And, and so, but we are part of God's story. You know, you're actually in the Bible. Every one of you. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. So all of us are those. We're there. So I want to show you really God's plan. I'm going to, we're going to pull this out of the Old Testament, but this is really very fundamental to the four elements of our vision. And it's, you can see it here in two scriptures. And I want to just walk through it with you because this is the way God's interactions with mankind works. So every one of us are going to walk through this journey in, in various ways. But it comes out of Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Now this is talking about the children of Israel and they had been in slavery for hundreds of years to the Egyptians. And God promised them and God prophesied. He gave them a promise and say, I'm going to deliver you. But I want to read you two scriptures here that talk about what God said he was going to do. And he says in verse six, he says, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I've highlighted some specific words. There's four sets of words here. There's three on that and there'll be another one. But pay attention to this. He says, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That actually parallels with our no God. Because guess what? The Bible says you've been called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. God has called you out from how you used to live under an old system into a new one. He says, and and even the verbiage here is interesting. He says, I will bring you out from under the yoke or the weight of the Egyptians. I will free you. From being slaves to them. Now that's interesting because if he's going to bring you out, wouldn't he be freeing you? But he's actually talking about two different things here. Just because, and I'll say it this way, is that God could take them out of Egypt, but they still had a slave mentality even after they'd been delivered. As a matter of fact, you can go read in scripture where it says they wandered through the desert and then they kept having this reoccurring theme kept coming up. It was better in Egypt. It was better in Egypt. God brought us out here to kill us. It was better in Egypt. We should just go back to Egypt. Well, let's rewind a little bit to the history of Egypt. They were making bricks by hand. They were told what they could do all the time, and yet God was feeding them every day. Miraculously, food showed up. Waiter showed up with food every day. 
And they had what they needed, and yet, why? It wasn't because God wasn't providing for them, because he was. It's because Egypt was still in them. And he says, I've got to free you from that. I've got to, and really what it is, it's a mental understanding or an association with an old way of thinking. In the New Testament, Romans would tell us that we need to renew our mind. We need to renovate the way that we think. Why? Because I don't want to live as a citizen of this pl- of just this earth. I want to live as a citizen of heaven with a new understanding. And if I can, if I have that way of understanding, it will change my experience in this, on the earth. It will. And so he goes on and he says, so he says, I'll bring you out. I will free you. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty works of judgment. Now this word redeem is just a, it's a Bible word. What it really means is to bring you back to your original intent. In other words, the, the, and this is what I would say, it, it's bringing you back to the, pur- the purpose of why God created you. I said this earlier, is that God created you to be somebody and to do something. When God created Adam, he gave him a job, an assignment. He didn't just say, here you go, Adam, here's the garden, go enjoy it. Day one was orientation for Adam. And he said, Adam, I need you to start naming things. You are to what? Subdue the earth. He gave him an assignment at his conception. When God built him, he breathed life into him. He says, all right, I got something for you to do, Adam. And Adam did not subdue the garden. And he let his wife, Eve, let let me just settle a little bit of a debate for you, by the way. Eve is not the one who sinned. Adam did. It said that Eve was deceived. I, I just helped somebody there. Somebody just found a little freedom in the back. The Bible says that Eve was deceived when she ate, but Adam bit full knowing what he was doing. So, because Adam was the one given the instruction to subdue, not Eve. So, you know, but even in that, and so what happens is, is that when we don't see and understand that God has a purpose for us, Proverbs 29, 18, when people have no vision or can't see what God is doing, they will run wild. They will go crazy. Why? Because there's, there's nothing to tie us to, to, to really give us purpose and meaning. And so he says, I will redeem you. In other words, I'm going to give you some purpose. That's why we would say, discover some purpose. And then after that, so he says, once you've come out from among them, once you've been free, I'm going to give you a job. I've got a purpose. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring you back to that original intent. He says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. In other words, he says, I'm going to, not only are you going to experience salvation, not only are you going to get free of all the past and, and all of these things that would try to hold you down that are tied to the past. Now, I've got something for you. I've got a purpose. And that purpose is to go out to, number one, to be a part of a family, to now function and so that we can now go and make a difference. That is what we're talking about here. And so it's important that we understand this. And so... You know, when we start talking about God's intention and and how does this work and how does this look, I'm going to give you just, uh, the whole scripture will be up here, but the last part of of this scripture in 1 John chapter 3 is what I want you to catch this morning, is that it says that Jesus, being the Son of Man, came to destroy the works or the plans of the devil. You know, there's really three potential plans for your life. There's God's plan, 
There's your plan. There's the devil's plan. And we get to pick which one we want to sign up for. But only one of them has guaranteed blessing and only one of them has guaranteed fulfillment. That's if we walk in God's plan. And here it says that Jesus came for one reason and one reason alone. To destroy the work, the plan of Satan in our life. And so much of what Satan wants to do is actually rooted in our past that is left unhealed and is left uh, unrestored. I'll say it that way. It's not been brought back. And so the enemy, even though you're saved, you love God, you do your devotional, you're in a small group, all of these things, you may still be hung up and you may have some strongholds. I mean, you can even go as far as to say, you may even be bound by some things in your life that Jesus paid the price so that you could be made whole. Now you see that word throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, whole, which whole is not healed. Whole, whole is actually better than healed. Like I've got some scars on my body from where I have wounded myself, but I still have a scar that reminds me. Whole means that I've been restored to the point like it never happened. That heartbreak, it's like it never happened. Those things that that the enemy meant to destroy me, God will heal me to the point and restore me to wholeness to the point like it's never even happened. And so much when we start talking about the past and, and things that have happened is that God wants to set us free from our past because we cannot step into the fullness of the future that God has for us until that past has been settled. We've got to take care of yesterday. We've got to get it, what, brought under the, the really the lordship of Christ. And we're saying, Jesus, as much as I don't want to deal with this, as much as I don't want to face this, I'm going to give it to you. And one of the things, and a couple of things that happen when we start talking about the past, but and it's important that we understand this, is that Jesus came to take our shame. I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but he came to take our pain. He came to take our regrets. Every tactic of the devil, Jesus wants to use and he wants to heal it and to bring freedom into our life. Why? So that we can go tell other people about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And it's important. See, your past is part of your story. You can't change your past, but don't let that past define the rest of your story. So many times we can go back and say, well, I'm the way I am because fill in the blank. God wants to rewrite that story and take out that, or maybe change the end. This is what has happened to me, but because of the grace of God, I'm healed today. Because of the grace of God, I am whole today. This is God's desire, and it is his call to every one of us. So the question really for us is, will we allow God to write new and better chapters in our life? That choice is up to us. Will we allow God to write new and better chapters? It doesn't matter the past. It doesn't matter what people have done to you. It doesn't matter what you've done to yourself. Today is a new day because of the grace of God. Is that the past does not determine what your future has to or will look like. But you have to be willing to what? Allow God into these areas. See, the Bible says, and we'll look at this verse in a few moments, but the Bible says that that he alone is the one who brings, what, beauty from ashes. That he gives joy where there's been pain and mourning. See, I I think one of the things that can happen is maybe, because you may say, well, nobody's ever hurt me. Yeah, okay, 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you've just buried it to the point you don't even think about it anymore. But I think we can all understand and identify with having disappointments where we didn't measure up to our own expectations. And so we can even begin to talk ourselves out of doing what God has called us to do because we'll revert back and say, yeah, I tried that once, but... Well, I I would step out and do that, except I I just always fail. I never follow through. I never measure up. And maybe it was just, and let me say this another way, from another standpoint, and this is true for me, is that there were things that people said to me one time that I echoed in the chambers of my own heart. And those words carried weight for years and years and years. And they became motivations and, and to the point that I wasn't even aware of it. And I was convincing myself that what was said to me was true. See, and that's important because you may be in bondage by your own words. By, but why? Because what you say is what you will believe. What you meditate on, what you focus on, that is who you and what you believe about yourself. See, I believe that there's no more powerful voice in our life than our own voice. Why? Because we hear it the most. It's the one that is on repeat in our thoughts. And if you think it, eventually it gets into your heart, and that's where your core beliefs are. So if you believe that you're flawed, it's probably because either a circumstance has happened, or maybe you think I'm too damaged, or whatever... Somebody has either said or done things and you have dwelt on that to now you believe it. Like this is who I am. And yet God comes to write a very different story. See, when all we hear is yesterday's disappointments, what it robs us and what it really does is it keeps us from seeing today's potential. When all we hear and all we can think about is is, is yesterday's disappointments, the hurt, the pain, the shame of the past, it keeps us from stepping in and seeing today's potential. We've got to settle yesterday. It's very important. Why? Because if we don't settle yesterday, it's going to be hard to go make a difference. We want you to know God, but we want you to find freedom, like real freedom. And look, and this is there's not many things that I consider myself. Super well-versed in scripture. This is one of them. Because of my own life. Because of my own struggles. I mean, I've dealt with insecurity to the degree of almost being debilitating. Where I was so aware of my own insufficiencies. That I couldn't even just go up and have a conversation with people. I'm like, it's just easier to avoid it. I've dealt with depression. And yet I've seen the power of God deliver me in a moment. I'm not promising you that will happen, but that is what happened with me. So this isn't just theory that I talk about and some abstract scriptures that I pull. This is my life. And so when I'm talking about these things, these are things that I have walked through and I have seen God be good. I have seen God be faithful. I have seen God be patient with me. It's not a a word necessarily that we always, at least I don't associate that with God, but man, I'm glad he's patient. Because I would be, if I'm God, I'm like, come on, David, get it together already. But he just, he loves and he encourages and he walks. He brings freedom. This is the God that we serve. 
See, God is a deliverer. We see this really with Moses in the Old Testament. Is that he would, he was, Moses was called a deliverer. Well, he was a type of Christ. He was a forerunner of Christ. In other words, he was displaying what it would look like when Christ came. Jesus came. Moses delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. Jesus came to deliver us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. He is a deliverer. And you may say, man, but you don't know my past. You don't know the history. I, you, you don't, man, I've got some really jacked up stuff back there. I don't know that God could do it. Let me just give you a little picture from scripture. And Mark chapter five, there's a story. We're not going to read it for the sake of time, but, but there's a story that there was this demon possessed man in one uh, translation, when Jesus spoke to the man and said what he actually spoke to the demon said, Hey, what's your name? And he said, I'm a, he said, we're a mob. Because there's a lot of us. Other translations say that there were over a thousand demons in this man. And this is what I want you to hear. Is the Bible says that when, when the man who was demon possessed. Now the Bible actually tells us. It says that no one was able to restrain him even with chains. Every time they attempted to chain his hands and his feet with shackles. He would snap the chains and break the shackles into pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. His whole community had tried just to chain him up. At the cemetery to keep him away from everybody. And they couldn't do it. So here's this man who's completely beside himself. Out of control. He sees Jesus. And all the demonic power that was working in him. Could not keep him from Jesus. The Bible says that he ran to the feet of Jesus. And worshipped at his feet. Fully demon possessed. So who has more power? The devil is not as strong as we give him credit for. Because our savior is stronger. He is a deliverer. And he will, what? Deliver us from all of the the tactics and the plans and the strategies that the devil has placed in our life. All of the things that those assignments and those things that he's tried to get in our life. To hinder us and to keep us from experiencing what God has for us. Jesus is stronger. He is a deliverer. Now I want to just, and I felt like I needed to add this, but I don't really have time to go in depth in it, but I'm going to give you a statement here. Is that many times we can look at our past and we can have two reactions. And even though they sound the same, they're not. Is that when we think about our past, we can either have guilt. Like I, I feel bad, man, I did something wrong. Guilt's not bad because if we don't have guilt, we have no repentance. Guilt's actually a good thing. Here's what I would tell you. If you never feel guilty for anything, I would be concerned. Why? Because that means that your conscience has been seared. Guilt in its proper place is not bad. But when it comes to our past, is that guilt not handled properly turns into shame. And there's a big difference between guilt and shame. Now, again, I don't have time to really dig into this, but I'm going to give you the highlights of it very quickly. Here's the difference. Guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is I am wrong. Like there's something wrong in me. I am bad. It's an identity. It's not just what I did. Now it's who I am. It's much deeper than that. But see, Jesus came to set us free from all shame. He is our deliverer. Say, well, well how, how do I get there? You take your past and you say, Jesus, I acknowledge everything 
that was done, that either I did or that was done to me that creates shame. And I'm going to ask you to forgive me. I'm going to ask you to forgive them. And I'm going to surrender this part of my life to you. And I'm going to make you the Lord of this part of my life. I'm going to ask you to, to heal me in these areas of my life. One last scripture, Isaiah 61. This is really a prophetic scripture about Jesus. So this is 700 years before Jesus was born. This scripture was spoken. And actually when Jesus started his public ministry, he reads this exact passage of scripture, which they knew the Messiah would stand up and read. So when Jesus said, hand me the scroll of Isaiah, everybody's heads would have perked up. Because there was lots of rumors about who Jesus was. Was he a good man? Was he a prophet? Some people said he was demon possessed, but then other people said he was the Messiah. And then when he stood up, he read these scriptures. Remember what I told you early on is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And Jesus is about to declare that in these scriptures. Also, just so you know, the four parts of our vision can also be seen in these three scriptures. You can see it over and over and over throughout scripture, actually. But in verse one, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. You know, without the anointing, nothing changes in our life. Like, well, what's the anointing? It is the power of God to transform, not to change, to transform. That's a huge difference. I don't want to just slowly change. I want God to transform me. I want God to come in and shift things in me in massive ways so that I can let go of the the weight and the bondage and the things of the past so that I can walk in real freedom. Only the anointing can do that. That's it. It is the anointing. Jesus says that the spirit of God is on me for he has anointed me to be good news to the poor. And that's not just talking about money. That actually means poor in spirit. That would actually be the no God part. Is that guess if you don't know God, guess what? You're poor in spirit. If you don't have a relationship with him. He goes on, he says that he sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives would be released and that prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel... Now pay attention to this verse. To all who, are, who mourn, to those who are bound, to those who are hurting, to those who are lacking. It says, he being Jesus will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. It says, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. See, God just rewrote some stories. That's why Jesus came, was to rewrite stories. To be able to add things and to do things in our life. And and he says here is that, that God would do all of these things for us, but it was for the purpose to what? To show forth his glory. Is that we would. There's a beautiful picture here. Of these uh, of this great oaks. That God planted. 
says, in their righteousness. What does that mean? It just means God's not mad at me. It means I've been brought back into the family. That God would plan us, that we would what? Reveal his glory. Such a powerful truth, but God loves us just the way that we are. He does. He accepts us the way that we are. All of our weirdness and all the things that come with us. I think I've shared this with you recently, but I've been reminded of it here lately. Is that, and It's a unique statement that I kind of makes me chuckle a little bit and kind of give me perspective. But it says that I'm a beautiful mix of glory and grime. Grace and grime. It's like this, this interesting mix, you know. And God does love us even in the midst of all of our foolishness. But the truth is, is that God loves us too much to leave us that way. So he wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to bring us back to our original intent. But we've got to know him. We've got to discover some freedom. We've got to find it, man. Because it's available to you. It's not like it's hard. But so many times it's the way that we think. I didn't even get into it today. But it's really iniquities. Sometimes it's passed down ways of thinking generationally. It's not necessarily just obviously sinful things. But they're just behaviors that are learned. There's things that are picked up. That are transmitted from our parents. And from family. And from different people. And and we may not even be aware of it. But God says hey I want to break the power of that in your life. So that you can walk in freedom. See every step. We talk about this regularly. Every step that we take on on the spiritual journey that God has for us. Is for one purpose. Every one of us has a next step. Every one of us has a a step to take and a way to go and and things to step into. But ultimately, every single one of those steps is a step that brings God glory. It's for him. Salvation is the gift that God gives to us. What we do with it is our gift back to him. And that's twofold. What we allow that salvation to do in us, to, to develop in us, but also how we can now go out and to share the goodness of God. I didn't say this earlier, but I want to say it now. It's up in my notes. I'm going back up to it. But you know, when I, when I think about my past, and I have stories just like everybody else, but when I think about it today, I don't think about the hurt and the pain. I don't think about the shame of things. I don't think about all those things. What they do is they remind me of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Because he heals, because he restores. That's God's desire. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. You know, earlier we played a video of Leonard and LG to talk, talking about the freedom groups. And look, and I've only hit like just real highlights here today. I would encourage you though, if, that, if this strikes a chord in you, I would ask you to strongly consider. Let me say this. Don't ask the Lord if you should. Ask the Lord if you shouldn't go to it. If you can honestly tell me the Lord said don't go to freedom. I'll accept that answer. Because there are things that the Lord wants to uproot. And pull the weeds out. So that the fruit can grow. So that what? We can be more fruitful. So that we can have a greater impact. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I I, want to pray for you.